today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The problem is we're all prone to let our guard down, especially in those areas in our Christian lives that we think, ah, I'm doing good in that area. I stand strong in that area. I'm standing firm in that area. So we tend to kind of let our guard down because we don't see that as a vulnerability. And then we try to instead shore up those other areas in our lives that we know we we don't quite stand as strong in. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to know yourself well. Oftentimes when we mess up in one area of our life, we try to make amends for it in another area. Our goal should be to acknowledge our shortcomings and ask the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to overcome the sin in our lives. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. As I read the text, I just want to, by way of a, a reminder of sorts, just let you know that Timothy uh, is receiving this letter from Paul who knows that it's just a matter of time before he will die a martyr's death for Jesus. These are his final parting words. And as he writes them, he is in a prison and never imagine it as the prisons we understand today. He is in a dungeon of a prison left there to die. What he doesn't know, he knows he's going to die. He just doesn't know how he's going to die, but he's about to be beheaded. And uh, he knows it. And so as we read the text, just through the lens of this mightily used man of God, the Apostle Paul, he's penning this letter to Timothy, whom he loves so much. And this is the final letter that he'll write. And it's to this young man who's a pastor, and he loves him so much, like a son, as he's referred to him earlier in the letter. So, verse 13, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard, verse 14, the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, verse 15, that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Figelis and Hermogenes. May the Lord, verse 16, show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. 
you know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So, what I want to talk with you about today is the paramount importance of being on guard, never letting your guard down, especially in the times in which we are living today. In the text that we have before us, the Apostle Paul is warning Timothy concerning his guarding of that which he's been given, that which has been deposited into him, invested in him, given to him. He's to guard it. I sort of saved these last verses here in chapter 1 for a teaching unto itself for a reason. I think you'll see why here in a moment. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to answer three questions from the text as it relates to what it is that we're to guard, how we're to guard it, and why it is that we're to guard it. Let's start with the first one. What is it that we're to guard? The answer is in verse 13. Here, Paul tells Timothy, He's to keep the word that he heard from Paul. He's to keep it as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. It's important to understand that they didn't have a Bible yet. They didn't have the written word of God yet. This letter that Timothy is on the receiving end of from the Apostle Paul would eventually be included in the canon of Scripture as inspired Scripture. But at this time there was no written word. And so Paul warns Timothy, keep the word you heard from me. You know the strength with which Paul writes this, can be easily missed at first read. You read it, you understand it, you appreciate it. I would venture to say that there's probably not a one of us that has any of these verses as wallpaper or framed up on our walls, right? Can you imagine? What's your life first? Oh, where Paul calls by name two men that deserted him abandon him. We're ashamed of him. That's your life first? Really? You're a sick man. I know. Pray for me. (laughs) But wait a minute. It's here in God's Word for a reason, right? Because all Scripture is given. God breathed. Instruction, rebuke. We hate that part. Encouragement. I'll take that one. So the question is, why is this in our Bibles? Why did God deem it necessary to include this passage in Scripture? Why would this rise to the level of being that important 
for us all of these years later to have it in our Bibles. There must be a reason. And that reason is, is that we are to guard with our lives the Word of God. The Word of God. Question. Think this through with me. What is the most valuable possession you have? What is the most valuable possession that you possess? Is it not your salvation? Is it not the Word of God? Think about that valuable possession that you have. Don't you guard it? Secure it? Treasure it? Lock it up? Put 4K security cameras on it? (laughs) I do. It's not a material thing. It's my family. My church family. We guard, we protect, we treasure, we value that which we deem to be valuable in terms of what we possess. And that's what Paul is saying here to Timothy. Guard it with your life, because your life depends on it. This is a matter of life and death eternally. And that's how you are to guard it. We have a problem though. The problem is we're all prone to let our guard down, especially in those areas in our Christian lives that we think, ah, I'm doing good in that area. I stand strong in that area. I'm standing firm in that area. So we tend to kind of let our guard down because we don't see that as a vulnerability. And then we try to instead shore up those other areas in our lives that we know we we don't quite stand as strong in. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Did you catch that? Here's what I'm thinking. We fall in those areas of our greatest strength. Ask Peter. Think about this. I mean, this is Peter we're talking about, man. This is Peter who had the courage when he realized it was the Lord walking on the water in that perilous storm. He had the courage to say, bid me come. And then when Jesus said, come, he had the courage to step out of the boat and walk on water. That's faith. That's courage. How about when they came to arrest Jesus there in the garden that night? Here's Peter. you got to love Peter. I love this man. I can't wait to meet him. I think a lot of people are going to owe him an apology in heaven because he's been the subject of many sermon illustrations. I have to confess, I've, I've done it, you know, Peter. But think about this. 
He had the courage that night to take on the entire Roman army for Jesus. That's courage. Takes his sword out, <laughs> cuts off the ear of this Malchus, and Jesus is like, Peter, <laughs> I love you, man, but you know, heals. I, I think that Malchus, I think we're going to see him in heaven. I would have got, if I'm Malchus, I'm getting saved. Here, Peter puts my, you know, he cuts my ear off. Jesus heals my ear. I'm like, this is the Savior. This, this is, this is God incarnate. I would have got saved right there on the spot. That's courage though, isn't it? How about when he takes the disciples to Caesarea Philippi, those of you that have gone to Israel with us, one of the most, I mean, whew, chicken skin places. Oh, sorry, on the mainland it's goosebumps, but we call it chicken skin here. It's um, where they worshipped the god Pan, where we get the English word and expression panic, fear. This was a feared false god that they worshipped, and this place was known as the gates of hell. And so Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them the question, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, right there, you know, <laughs> you got to hand it to him. None of the other disciples said, bid me come. None of the other disciples, though wrong, a spiritual battle fought with carnal weapons, none of the other disciples took their sword out to cut off Malchus's ear. And then at Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus poses this question to them, who is it that has the courage to speak up? Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm sorry if I'm going to use this, but I'm going to make you Pope. No, <laughs> that's not what he said. <laughs> I'm sorry for, <laughs> told you I was sorry. Anyway, I digress. Peter means rock, little rock. And Jesus says to him, Peter, upon that rock of your confession that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. And the Bill Gates of hell will not, I mean the gates of hell. <laughs> that was totally intentional. So the gates of hell, which is where they were, will not prevail against it. Could you imagine what, I, I, I know it's not in the text, and I know it's pure conjecture, as they say, but I just got to believe that Peter was like, do you hear that? <laughs> kind of like when he's walking on water. We know that he took his eyes off the Lord. I wonder, did, they all say, well, you know, and, and the narrative says he looked at the storm, but I just wonder if, if the temptation wasn't there to look back at the disciples in the boat going, <laughs> boom, now down he goes. I don't know. I know it's, again, it's pure speculation. That's courage, isn't it? 
even when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked for permission to sift you as wheat. <laughs> if I'm Peter, I'm like, you didn't give him permission, did you, Lord? <laughs> I did. You did? Why would you do that? Because afterwards, and this is important, by the way, because Satan cannot do anything to us unless God gives him permission to do it first. And God will never give the devil permission to do anything to us unless it's for his glory and our good. Ask Job about that. Satan could not touch even a hair on Job's head unless God allowed it, and God only allowed it because in the end it would be for his glory and Job's good. Same thing with Peter. Satan had to ask for permission. And so Jesus says, I gave him permission. <laughs> Why? Because after he sifted you as wheat, uh, you're going to minister to the brethren. He says to Peter, uh, you're going to deny me. Peter's response, no I'm not. Jesus, yes you are. Peter, no I'm not. Jesus, Actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times after the rooster crows. And Peter, I mean, it, it would be the furthest thing from his mind. It would be inconceivable, unthinkable, no way, way. So where did Peter fall? He fell in the area of his greatest strength courage. Let his guard down. So there they are. He's, his first mistake was warming himself by the enemy's fire. Uh, when we get too comfortable, close in proximity to the world's fire, we're asking for trouble. And he's asked, hey, weren't you with him? You have to understand that the everybody abandoned Jesus, just like here with the Apostle Paul. They all deserted him. Why? Because, are, are you kidding me? They're going to crucify him. And if I'm associated with him, that means they're going to crucify me too. So I better run, run away and lay low. And No, you were with him. No, I wasn't. No, I... I, I, I know you were with him. No, I wasn't. What are you talking about? I don't even know this guy. I've never seen this guy before in my life. Nah, you're, I can tell by your Galilean accent. Now nah, you were with him. And then he swears, not vulgarities. He swears an oath. I swear. I never knew this man. And then the rooster crow. You know, it, when you read the text, it, it doesn't really capture, I think it requires the Holy Spirit to be able to really capture the intensity of that moment, because they made eye contact. And Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter looked at Jesus, and he was devastated. and wept bitterly. 
and never imagined that when they made eye contact that Jesus had this disdain or this disgust like I told you you would deny me. Not at all. That wouldn't be the final word. This isn't a teaching on the life of Peter, although that would be a great teaching. Jesus would restore him three times. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. Second time, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. The third time, we're told that Peter just broke down and cried because he knew what Jesus was doing. I don't think it was tears of bitterness or regret or sorrow. I think it was tears of joy because he was being restored that third time. Maybe that's a word for somebody here today. You've denied the Lord. You blew it bad, big time. And the enemy's been right there to rub your face in it like, oh my God, you God wouldn't do that. I'd run as far away as I could if I were you. No. Don't let the enemy do that to you. Don't the enemy do that to you. There's nothing you can do that is going to make God love you less. And here's another thing. I know this might be a firm grasp of the obvious, but do you actually think that when we blow it and mess up, that God's in heaven going, what did he just do? When did this happen? Are you kidding me? I have told him till I blew in the face. He even vowed to me and told me and made a promise to me. I'll never do that again, Lord. And he did it. That's it. I had it up to here with him. No, I mean, I know that's silly and funny, but that's true, isn't it? You know why that's true? Because we see our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. Don't do that. Man, early on in my Christian life, I did that and it just, it, it killed me. It wasn't until many years walking with the Lord that the Lord ministered to me to stop looking at him through the lens of my earthly father because my earthly father was mad at me all the time. I gave him good reason to be. <laughs> He was always angry. I never wanted to be around him because I was always in trouble. God's not angry with me. He loves me. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 2 Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kamiohe and in spirit and truth. 
If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 